This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 338 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Goats, ducks, and saddlebreds. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are by Media Dewormers and Coragem. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the Stable, it's every week. We'll bring you the news through hail or high water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. Sit on down and laugh till your poop Cause it's time again for Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop This is Glenn the Geek And this is Helena B And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show On the Horse Radio Network well, Helena, are you completely snowed under? Can you see the roof of the house or have the drifts gone over top? I can see the roof of the house, but the drifts have covered pretty much everything else. Now tell everybody, be honest, tell everybody what you were doing right before the show. Oh, gosh. <sighs> I don't. <laughs> Just a I, simple version. I have to say this. was I, There is no simple version. It's me we're talking about. I got stuck in my driveway. I couldn't. My car got stuck. And you were shoveling your car out. Oh, I don't yeah. miss those days. <laughs> Just don't miss them at all. Well, I've always had an all-wheel drive or four-wheel drive vehicle, and this is the first time I have not had one. And I was like, oh, is it things front have or been so real, bad. It's front. It's yeah, front-wheel drive, yeah. but. Everything's a sheet of ice. Yeah. So, you know, the good news is in Little Compton, we have, we, we, we don't often get as much snow as the rest of the Northeast because we're right on the water, on the ocean. Yeah, Little Compton, Rhode Island, right on the ocean. Yeah. Right on the ocean. The bad news is that when we do get snow and then it snows again, it turns into rain and then it gets down to four degrees. And so it just becomes this horrible, horrible mess. And um, it's crunchy and it's slippery and... There's a lot of swearing going on from the barn to the muck pile. That's all I'm going to say. And it's not good for the horses either because you got the ice under the snow and ugh, just a yeah. mess. They're, they're yeah. all like, what is this stuff? We want to go to Florida. Plus, they, you know, a lot of times with the ice, the way it gets where you live is they, they crunch through it and they can get cut ankles. And it just is a it's a it's just a nightmare no matter how you look. That's at actually it. what we're, we're getting. This is um, this is pretty serious stuff. It, it has that really thick layer of of sharp crust. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, we'll get maybe a couple of hours of sunshine and because it is, you know, February, that sun hits directly on something and starts to melt and then it drips and it drips all around the edge of the barn and all around the edge of the house. And that's where you get these really slick, glossy swaths of ice. So it is a little bit precarious. It, It is. So I have to go and, you know, there's a lot of micromanaging that you have to do when your horses are kept in a in the barnyard. My, my, their paddock is pretty large. It's big enough for them to gallop around in, but you definitely have to go out there and micromanage, make sure they don't kill themselves. And you guys in New England, you just have been getting hammered this year. And you're expecting another one I saw this weekend. It's like... We are expecting another one. can't win this year. How much do you have? You told me you have, what, uh, uh, 30, 40 inches on the ground? We have about 32 inches on the ground. That's enough. 
<laughs> yeah. The, the pain in the tushy this year, though, has been the one after the other. So I don't have a snowblower or a tractor. So um, you have I your, have to shovel. You have your muscles. Your I have, buff yeah, my physique. <laughs> so I've been, so there's a path from the back door to the driveway, which is far away. There's a path from the back door to the shed, from the back door to the barn, and then from the barn to the muck pile. And I've had to do, I'd have to shut, and that's a lot. Like it's, it's a hundred feet from the back door to the driveway. It's a hundred feet from the back door to the barn. It's another hundred feet from the barn to the muck pile. It's a lot of shoveling and swearing. I don't and miss drinking. It. I don't miss it at all. I really <laughs> don't. God. Can I tell you the funniest thing the other day though? I was so mad because the snow was coming and coming and coming and coming. I poured myself a glass of tequila and I took it out with me. And every time I shoveled like ten feet of the pathway, I'd put my little thing, my little glass of tequila in the snow to chill. <laughs> you had it. your flask. <laughs> Take a sip. I'd shovel ten feet. I'd get my little sip of tequila. I was so mad. I didn't even like. I think it might have been like eleven thirty in the morning. I was just like, I'm going to do this because it's so wrong. <laughs> Well, unfortunately, <laughs> Helena had too much snow to make it down to Philadelphia at the, the American Equestrian Trade Association. I missed you there. I did miss you. I was uh, yeah. Jennifer didn't go either, so it was kind of like me doing my thing over the weekend. And uh, But, you know, we know so many people there. It, it, it was still fun, and we had a good time. So it was, yeah. it was I'll fun. be there in August. I'll be there in August. It was good. It was, uh, we, we, uh, you'll hear a bunch of interviews that I did. I met some interesting people this time. Uh, we, we do every time. But I met some really interesting people this time. They have uh, stories to go along with their products, and that was kind of cool. So we'll be playing those over the next couple of months, and and some just neat, some neat things. So all of that will be coming up. But first, I got to catch up with Dr. David Ellison of By Media Dewormers, and he's going to do a series for us over the next couple of months on deworming because it's a topic that we all have to deal with. And I think some people we just go into the you know you go into the tax shop or the feed store and you see all the wormers there, and you go, oh, I don't know what to get i'll just pick this one you know and we just do it yeah. kind of randomly yep when we really should have a science to it so dr ellison's going to help us get through that and we're going to start with him today right now uh with by Mita dewormers Well, Glenn here with the Horse Radio Network, and I have Dr. Ellison with us, and he is a Director of Technical Services with Bimeda Incorporated. And, well, hello, Dr. Ellison. Good afternoon, Glenn. Thank you so much for joining us. And first, on this first interview, we're good. this is a series of four that we're doing over the next couple of months with you guys. And I want to thank you, number one, for becoming a sponsor. We appreciate your support of the Horse Radio Network. Thank you so much for that. Welcome. welcome. Welcome to the family. Thank you. I'm very excited about this because we've, we haven't delved into dewormers a whole lot and the whole, the whole aspect of deworming. We haven't gotten into it a whole lot on, a, on many of the shows, so I'm looking forward to it, and I hope it, uh, the, the knowledge that we impart here can help everybody. Of course, if we have horses, it's something that we all have to think about. And, and uh, I know Jennifer and I use Vimeda as, uh, as our dewormers. We just dewormed uh, our horses this week, as a matter of fact. Perfect. Well, tell us a little bit about Bimedia and who they are, and because there's a lot of different wormers out there. So let let's find out a little bit about the company first. Well, Bimedia as a company is a company based in in Dublin, Ireland, uh, with marketing in approximately 80 countries. So they are worldwide. Uh, we have a very broad line of equine dewormers. Um, 
which can cover basically all the needs that any horse owner would have. So how many dewormers are there? When somebody goes into this, to the tack shop and you look at that, especially if you don't, you know, if you, you haven't been around horses your whole life, you're new into horses, and you look at that rack of dewormers, it's a little, you know, it's like trying to guess what you need. Well, it certainly can be confusing. And, you know, basically there's, there's going to be uh, three groups of dewormers that people are going to see on the shelf in the tack shops and the veterinary clinics that they go to. Uh, and then a fourth group that's a combination, um, uh, what we call the, like to refer to as the big gun anti, uh, anti, uh, parasiticals. Uh, the first group would be macrocyclic lactones, and that would include ivermectin and moxidec. The second group would be the pyrimidines, which is pyrantel. And then the third group would be the benzimidazoles, which most people would know as fenbendazole. And there's that combination group, which is the macrocyclic lactones, either ivermectin or moxidectin, along with a compound called praziquantel, which is used to control tapeworms. So that's, you end up basically with four different classes of dewormers. Well, that leads to the next question is, uh, and I hope we're going to cover this over the ne- uh, next uh, several of months in the interviews and everything, is what, what, how do you know where to start? Well, you know, uh, it's a great question, um, and really what I always tell people is your veterinarian knows better than anyone what is the best parasite control program for you. It's going to vary greatly based on where you live, the climate that you have, the number of horses that you have, how big or small your pasture is, uh, parasite load, um, what program your horses have been exposed to from a dewormer standpoint uh, previously. Uh, and so, you know, it's it's not overly complicated, but it's not overly simplistic either. So, uh, you know, a good relationship with an equine veterinarian is, is essential uh, in, in constructing a good dewormer program. And we're going to talk in future uh, chats that we have about fecal testing and and the different types of parasites and things like that. But I thought today I really wanted to find out, a, a, you know, kind of an overview of who you guys were. And also I wanted to talk a little bit about natural dewormers versus FDA-approved dewormers. You know, Glenn, that's a great, great question. And uh, it's a question that we get often uh, from a technical service standpoint. You know, the FDA-approved dewormers are held to a very high standard. They have to show efficacy or the ability to do their job properly. But also they have to be safe, and those, that safety testing is, is very, very important. Um, contrary to that, the natural or, you know, an example would be like diatomaceous earth as an example. Dewormers really, um, and if you talk to the leading parasitologists across the country, they will tell you, those products really just have never shown true efficacy against the major equine parasites. Well, Dr. Ellison, we are going to continue with a series of conversations about dewormers, but if people want to find out where to go right now to learn more, they can do it at bymediaequine.com. That's B-I-M-E-D-A, equine.com. There's all kinds of great links. First of all, it talks all about the different products you have, but there's also deworming plans and information on parasites and all kinds of things on that website. 
That's absolutely right, and that's a, a great place to get uh, very pertinent and uh, helpful information. Section in there where Dr. Ellefson answers questions as well, and it's called Did You Know by Dr. Dave. So you can click on that button, and you can find all kinds of questions and answers in that section. We'll talk to you again next month. All right. Thank you, Glenn. Look forward to it. By MetaEquine.com. know we just did our horses with some, some buy me to dewormers uh here and we use their products exclusively and i know a lot of the hosts here at the horse radio network do as well so check them out and uh, i will think you'll enjoy them uh and your horses will benefit from their use that is for sure and we thank dr ellison for joining us he'll be back to do more in the series Next up, we have a fun guest coming up. Her name is Lisa Siderman. She is from Deer Creek Ranch in Malibu, California, just, just to the east of Malibu. And she is going to talk to us about three things today. She breeds saddlebreds, but she breeds sport saddlebreds, not the kind you see in the ring, but the kind they actually use in endurance and competitive trail riding and things like that. We're going to talk to her about saddlebreds for sport use. And we're also going to talk to her about Malibu cashmere goats and mandarin duck. Yep, you heard right, because she does all three. We're going to find out about all of those. That sounds so chic. I know it does. Well, Cashmere she lives right outside of Beverly Hills. So, I mean, I, well, she's chic. <laughs> she, she, she. I like this. One. Well, hi, Lisa. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. So good to talk to you. Now, uh, you know, I have, uh, we're going to talk, be talking about three things with you today. You're from Deer Creek Ranch in Malibu, beautiful Malibu, California. And yeah. we're going to be talking about saddlebreds, really what I call sport saddlebreds. You know, people sometimes think about saddlebreds in the ring. And we're going to talk about them in a little different light today. And then cashmere goats, which I know nothing about, and mandarin ducks, which are the most beautiful ducks in the world. So we're going to talk about three unique, distinct things today. But let's start with saddlebreds. When did you guys get into saddlebreds? Uh, you know, in the, the early 2000s, um, we had my husband and I decided to get a couple of trail horses, and I actually didn't know any better. I didn't know that you weren't supposed to ride saddlebreds outside of the ring, <laughs> and uh, fell in love with them. And we picked up a couple, and um, two led to three, led to four, and um, we're working on nine right now. <laughs> so um, we we basically just kind of fell into it. My husband said it's the best mistake I've ever made, and we're completely sold on the breed. They, they're accidents. smart, willing. They're great. So what? So you just decided to to get a couple for yourselves. How did it? I, I mean, this is really a dumb question for me to ask, but I'm interested. Yeah. How did it go from two to nine? Like what? Because she's what a horse girl. Plans? That's how. Well, <laughs> well, there's love, but you know that love triples and then quadruples. So what was it that made you say we got to just keep adding these to our barn? You know, first the the first one I got was a mare, and um, basically I did not know how to ride her. I'm telling you, when we got horses. I had only been on rental horses holding on to a, a horn. So I was a really bad rider. Luckily, my husband is a great rider. He's from Argentina, so he's been riding all his life. So I got my horse. He bought a saddlebred as well, and then I realized that mine was a little bit too um, rambunctious for me. So then I had to go out and get another saddlebred. I don't know why I didn't decide to get a horse that maybe wasn't quite as spicy, but I decided I should become a better rider instead of, getting a less spicy horse. So that led to three. <laughs> That's just as good. Then we started breeding my mare. So now we have four babies from her. And um, basically all of them, I mean, out of our nine horses, we compete on, we've competed on four. We're adding two more this year and then two more are babies. 
So um, we, we keep using them. We, we buy them or breed them, and we hold on to them. We love them. Wow. So that didn't take very long. Didn't take you... long at all. No, no. Well, and we... if you've ever had a baby, you know that you can't stop. Well, that's just, true. They're too yeah, fun. Especially, <laughs> especially uh, baby horses. They're, they're so yeah. cute and adorable, and you want to hug them all the time. It's so true. Now, I, you know, I've, uh, I, I don't ride too often, but uh, I learned on a Tennessee walker, because I drive. I drive carriages. So I learned on a Tennessee walker, and then uh, I rode a saddlebred once in the Smoky Mountains. Jennifer conned me into going on a trail ride of the Smoky Mountains up and down the mountain. And I had this saddlebred, and... Boy, what a great horse. He saved my life, actually, Lisa, because a t- right after we started, we got to the bottom of the mountain, and out of a tree came a turkey and hit the horse in, my horse in the head. Uh, freaked me the hell out, but the horse didn't do anything. I mean, was as steady as a rock, and I knew I was safe then for the rest of the ride. So, you know, uh, Glenn, there's a reason t- why they used to sh- use him for the Civil War. You could shoot off him more than once. <laughs> This is true. I've heard this. You yes, can shoot yes. off of them. You know, they, they, they come highly good. recommended um, for field hunters as well. Really? Because uh-huh. they jump too. Yeah. It, yeah. Well, yeah. they're a pretty versatile breed, but they're, number one, they're really smooth to ride. So you can be in the saddle for hours and hours and hours. Um, and they're very well balanced in all different kinds of footing. So they make, you know, they're handy. And then, you know, apparently you can survive turkeys and shooting. <laughs> It's true. I mean, that's. I think that's one of the reasons why we love them so much is um, they just have everything that you could ever want in a horse. I mean, they're like you said, they're really smooth to ride, which is why they're called saddlebreds. They were bred to be saddle horses, so they took hobby horses and infused them with thoroughbred blood to make them a little, little taller and have a little more stamina. And of course, they have some Arabian blood in them, and um, that's they were breeding the perfect riding horse. So um, long distance. They're great to drive in. That's why the Amish use them and put hundreds of miles a week on them. They have great stamina, uh, great jumpers. Um, They used to be the jumping horse before warm bloods and thoroughbreds came into fashion. So they really have an an, an overall appeal. And like you said earlier, um, one of the issues is that they're really, the the saddle seat people have been excellent at uh, training everybody to think that that's all they can do. And they are great in the arena. They are beautiful, but that's not all they can do. They are um, a great overall riding horse. That's why I kind of called your sports saddlebreds, you know, uh, mm-hmm. to try and make yeah. a distinction there. And, you know, endurance riders uh, are using them. I know the competitive trail riders, a lot of NATRC uh, competitive mm-hmm. trail riders use them. I have seen some at eventing. We've seen some. Now, you said on the website that you guys do Baroque style. What's that mean? Not well, broke, baroque, but baroque. Yeah, baroque. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's kind of the word that that people have come to um, talk about a more sturdy, big boned saddlebred, as opposed to one that has been bred for the saddle seat show ring. A lot of times, those horses will be bred to have um, extremely long necks and and smaller feet and be more upright. And we tend to look for and breed for big hoofs. Um, I have one, my, my eight-year-old, that we ride in Death Valley on endurance rides, and he doesn't wear shoes or boots. And so they're bred to have really strong feet, very strong flat backs, and a more balanced um, appearance as opposed to a show ring appearance. So that's, that's what we breed for when we're looking for a stallion 
or for another brood mare. That's that's the style that we go for. Hmm. So that's so, what we call Baroque. Who do you think uh, Saddlebred would not be a good fit for? Or rather, what kind of job do you think that they just wouldn't find enjoyable? You know, I think that they could. They can pretty much do anything. I would say that maybe... Um, some of the Western styles that are more raining and, and cutting, although there are, there's a, a, a saddlebred that won, I think, a, a championship on the, with a teenager for barrel racing. But I think that, that maybe their legs are, are long enough where they might get a little more tangled. They don't have those big hind ends that are good for um, some of the Western disciplines. So I would say maybe that wouldn't be a good fit. Yeah, or, like that short, explosive power that you need. Exactly. That you get mm-hmm. from that quarter horse bum. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that they're very different from quarter horses. I think that when you're looking at maybe um, a hunter that has a very low set neck, you know, you can get your horse to put its neck down, but if it's not set low, it's not set low. So I would say that maybe those two things, they do extremely well in upper level dressage um, because that's where you want them to be collected. Uh, Lower level, they want the, the head further down, so maybe your scores wouldn't be high in lower level, but train one in upper level and there was actually um there's a horse named harry callahan that was grand prix um and did very well and gold medal with the u.s um, dressage federation so they can do that too they they're really good overall i would say that you that you want a horse that can move out if you want a saddlebred you're you want to have a forward horse if you want one of those that just kind of saunters around then maybe you don't maybe guess- you want one that you know more like a quarter horse we like to move out, so we like saddlebreds. Lisa, I got to tell you something. Listen to yourself. Twelve years ago, you wouldn't have understood what you just said. No, uh, I mean, <laughs> you just—you've you've come a long way since you started uh, in, in in the riding world here. Now, the other thing too, I, I I think that's changed over the years with the saddlebreds is they used to have a bigger clunkier head and face. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they were in the jughead category, and they're not anymore. Uh, they're right. a little more refined and and very good looking horses. Yeah, uh, yeah. And that's changed through the years of breeding, too. I'd say over the last 30 years, that, that really has changed. Right. Uh, I agree with you. And I've just pissed off half the saddlebred people. Who <laughs> no, <are>. no. <laughs> that's what we do. <laughs> no, I'm saying it got better. I'm saying it got worse. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Well, you know, and, and that's the point. You're supposed to breed for things that, you know, breed to make it better, not to, not to make it worse. So that's right. what we're always looking for, how to make it better. Well, the, before we go on to talking about other things, tell us about your beautiful farm. You're there in Malibu. Do, do you overlook the ocean? You know, we, we do. I have to though, tell you, we're not in Malibu. We call it Malabama okay. because we don't have the high-powered celebrities around us. We You're are, just to the east of Malibu, right? You're we're along... very, yeah, we're the last bastion before you hit um, Camarillo. So we're in the Ventura County part of Malibu, and in fact... Um, we are where um, there's the, the big uh, rock slide happened, so we are actually cut off from civilization um, as we speak right now until Caltrans puts Pacific Coast Highway back through. So we are um, very far north, and for people in California that ever drive up and down Pacific Coast Highway, all I have to do is say we're near the biker bar called Neptune's Net, and everybody knows where we are. <laughs> so. Do you eat lunch there every day, Lisa, at the biker bar? <laughs> Oh, sure, of course. <laughs> it's the only place you can get to now. You're cut off you from know, civilization. 
If they put a hitch down there, I'd ride down and have my lunch. Not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, and you are in a beautiful part now. And from what I saw on Google Maps, to the to the east of you, to the northeast of you, is nothing. I mean, it gets yeah. into the hills, and there's a, you're the last farm, and then that's it. <laughs> Nothing, Glenn. You know what we call that? We call that lots of places to ride. ride. Exactly. Exactly. It's so true. I mean, we're we're really lucky because we do butt up against national and state park, and so we can actually ride all the way to Thousand Oaks. And um, really, if we were to get on the um, the old Boney Mountain Trail, we could ride all the way to L.A. So it's it's really lovely to be out here, and we have a lot of great trails to ride on. We're very lucky. Well, tell us a little bit. Uh, I saw on your website, and I have to ask you about this, uh, your Malibu cashmere goats. What's a yes. cashmere goat? So anytime you pick up a cashmere sweater, most of the time, that cashmere, if it's fine cashmere, will come from a goat. A I lot did of not know that. know that. I did yes, know that. Yes, exactly. So um, what I have, I, um, I raise cashmere goats. I raise them for their cashmere, and... Lucky for them, it's a brushing process as opposed to a um, a less uh, a more tragic process for them. So well, that's every good to spring, know. <laughs> yeah, they they get brushed out and their cashmere is sent in for processing, and it comes back in lovely um, skeins of of cashmere yarn. And um, most of the time, I actually I have the babies, and people like to start their own herds. So they pick up a, a mama or a, or a buck from me or a couple of babies, and they start their own cashmere farms. And I have people all over in Nevada, in um, Northern California. I sent some to Wisconsin. So um, they're a lot of fun. They're adorable, beautiful. They're very hardy, um, and they're great for weed abatement, which is what we like to do up here in Malibu. We like yeah. to keep the weeds down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are they, do they respect the fences? Like, are they difficult to keep? Or what are the challenges of really keeping these kinds of goats? You know, um, if there's a fence, they will respect it, provided that they don't find a way to get under it. Um, they're pretty <laughs> good at not jumping, um, which, is, which is really good. Okay, so if, yeah, I, if yeah. I have a fence up, they'll stay corralled. And if there's enough food on the inside, they'll pretty much not try to, try to breach the, the enclosure. Um, okay. But they're 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 actually fairly simple to to um, to keep. I trim their hooves a couple times a year, and they get vaccinated. And I've never lost one for for to anything other than once a cougar and um and once a once a a, a neighbor's dog. Other than that, they've they're very hardy creatures. And like I, I said, wow. they're really nice weed abaters. I tell you, I wouldn't want to uh, to be the cougar that ended up on the wrong end of that horn, though. I'm looking at some of the yeah. pictures of some of your goats. Uh, that would be a bad thing. That'd be <laughs> a bad thing, absolutely. You, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's the process of turning their their hair into yarn? Can you? Is that something that you can do on your own, or do you have to shear them, or how does that work? Yeah, so so you can't really do it on your own. Um, I mean, I suppose there are some homesteaders that might be able to, but I'm not one of those people that's that handy. So what I use is basically a dog brush, and what you're doing is you're brushing the undercoat um, from from beneath the guard hairs. Yeah, so, yeah, okay. You know, just like any time, like if you have a German Shepherd or something that sheds, and you know that you use those wire brushes, and it's actually taking the soft hair um, that has released itself from the root 
and we put it all in, in garbage bags and we box it up. And there are several mills um, around the country that we send it to and they wash it and they spin it and send it back in nice little packages and then either um, sell it or I actually have some friends who are very good at putting together um, uh, cinches for horses, you know, for the saddles and, and horse blankets and that sort of thing. So You could have a cashmere cinch? That's exotic. Dude, I'm getting, I'm getting goats. I'm doing it. I'm getting goats. <laughs> yep, yep. We're okay. gonna, so that's, we're, we're going to do that in the future. So putting together some kind of fun horse items. Using the, <gasps> using the cashmere. Now, i got to oh tell you, though, gosh. everybody I've ever known, to be honest, everybody I've ever known that's had goats has had naughty goats. I mean, have <laughs> had problems with their goats. The goats are always tearing into everything. So you're saying your goats are not like that? Well, I'm saying that we, that uh-huh. we have taken care of that problem. <laughs> I'm saying that we have chain the link fence now where we thought we could have less than chain link. So how's yes. that? <laughs> you go they have timeouts. <laughs> yes. She's ha- she has goat timeouts. Okay, and first of all, Glenn, <laughs> let's just back it up a minute because don't be raining on my goat parade here, okay? <laughs> don't, don't be doing this because I'm getting goats. Let's just say that anybody who has any kind of livestock, be it pony, horse, or um, children, yes. <laughs> yes, I do refer to my children as livestock. Have mm-hmm. they, we all have a naughty element? You know, it's it's all about your fences. That's all yeah, I'm going to say. I own a hackney pony. I understand that. I there understand. You go. He's, he's <laughs> destroying everything at the farm, including uh, Beaker. Yes. So now, um, all right. Well, let's go from goats now, because you. I mean, I've never seen a website for a farm that had so many different things. You have mandarin ducks. It says mandarin ducks are available to hobbyists in the summer and autumn. Do you actually raise the ducks, or did, were they just there? No, I do. I actually raised them. Were they just and, there? Um, well, they could have just arrived and never left, right? I mean, Yeah, no, and in fact, they leave. If, you, if they get out, they don't hang around, which I was surprised. Most, oh. most fowl will hang around, and you can catch it with a net and put it back in the enclosure. When they are gone, they are so gone, you never see them <laughs> We're out of here. So, Mexico, yeah, here we so, come. So we're very careful. We have our, our devil gates. <laughs> They're now living in Beverly Hills, which is not too right. far. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, they're exactly. good-looking they're They good moved looking into the, uh, the exotic digs over in Beverly Hills. That's so right. these are, for those that don't know, the Mandarin ducks are the very colorful, bright ones with the green and the white and the, you know, just very colorful. The, the wings are different colors than the rest of the body. They're, mm-hmm. they're the prettiest of the ducks. When you see them, you know. Yeah. yeah. So what do people do with them? Do they just have them for pets, or do they actually... Do something with them. You know, what's the scoop? They, they just have them to be pretty. There's yeah. no other reason to have them other than they're just um, beautiful to have and to enjoy. So hopefully, first of all, they have to be in a flight pen. Um, what's I that mean? Because I'll tell you why I'm asking. Jennifer, my wife, loves yeah. ducks, and she would love she. You know, I don't. She would love to have chickens again, but I think she would rather have a duck. So tell me about right. mandarin ducks and how I keep the thing from flying to Beverly Hills. It, it would have to have a covered pen. So that's, there are ways that you can clip their, their wings. I don't, just because I have a covered pen, so I don't need to. And how but big does this enclosure have to be? Um, you know, I like to give them room to fly. Mine, you know, I, I, it, you can do it small. You can do it 20 feet long by maybe 10 feet. And well, then that's a pretty it, big pen. <laughs> it's pretty big. I mean, you can do it smaller, and I'm sure that I have people who, who have them in smaller enclosures, but they're not cage birds. They're not... They're not going to be happy like a um, cockatoo or, or something like that. They're not going to be happy in a little cage. So you really have to think about giving them ample room to fly about, or you're going to have unhappy depressed ducks. And 
Who wants that? So you just have you have to have a, a covered pen, and I do, and I have, you know, thing. I have trees inside. I have little miniature avocado trees and things for them to to hang out with, and I have you know bougainvillea on the top. So it's not a uh, big ugly flight pen. I've made it pretty. I've made it something that is enjoyable to look at. And then in the meantime, you know, in the springtime, um, they have special nests that they will only lay um, their eggs in nests that are off the ground and that look like um, like hollowed out trees. So they're very different from a chicken or from a, um, a duck that would go on the ground that would, you know, just make a straw nest and, and have their eggs in the corner. They will only lay in these um, boxes that have a four-inch hole, and they lay all their eggs in the box, and as soon as the babies are born, they hatch, and the babies crawl up the box with their little um, little claws and throw themselves out of the box onto the ground, <laughs> four feet down. They're suicidal. And, and, and you know what? I've never lost one. I don't they get bounce. it. They bounce. They're bouncing they mandarin bounce. ducks. <laughs> yes, like... they do. And, you know, each duck lays about 20... It has about 20 babies. I mean, oh, if, wow. I, I, if I have the eggs um, and I'll sell the eggs, then I'll, you know, take them from the nest. But then at the end of the season, I'll let them have a clutch of, of babies. And I, I usually get, you know, a good 10 or 20 out of each duck. So it's amazing. <laughs> they're, very, they're very high producers. Saying that, they don't do well in incubators. Jeez, you wish your standard breads would uh, produce like that. You'd, yeah, you'd be making no money kidding, hand huh? over fist, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Now, so, how- yeah, so they're a lot of fun. How often do they lay eggs? Are they like chickens where they're laying eggs all the time, or is that a much no. different cycle? Very different. Um, first of all, they're, they're game birds, so they're much more delicate than a chicken, and their eggs are, um, they don't have a hatch rate like a chicken does, and they only lay basically between about February and June. That's, that's their, their laying season. They're very um, oriented to the season, and um, so when they're done, they're done. That's interesting. So that's why usually I'll sell eggs during the spring and then in the, the summer and fall, um, breeding pairs, and then we're back to the cycle again. Okay, well, okay, Helena, you get the naughty goats and I'll take the pretty ducks. Okay? <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> I would be too worried about my ducks flying away because there's always somebody leaving a gate open. Well, that's true. True. Yeah. Oh, all the kids would be in playing with so the ducks and that would be the end of the ducks. I'll They'd take be gone. the saddlebreds and the goats. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is very cool. What an eclectic little place you have there. That is so cool. Uh, and where they can find the website, it's DeerCreekRanchMalibu.com. Deer, oh, uh, we have, uh, I have some sound coming through here. Let me see. Oh, it's on your website. <laughs> DeerCreekRanchMalibu.com. DeerCreekRanchMalibu.com is where you find the website. You can check out. Now, do you have any babies for any horses for sale right now? Or are we in between? I don't. I don't have any horses for sale, but anybody who's interested, um, I'm more than willing to, to point them in the right direction and help them find uh, the saddlebred of their dreams. Well, you know, that's a good point that we, we don't make often enough on the show. If you're really interested in buying a particular breed, talk to somebody who knows about it. Just don't look at Craigslist and go out and, you know, if you want that's a good right. one that's going to last you a lifetime, then talk to somebody that can point you in the right direction, like Lisa. Um, and you guys, you know, what I think is people don't realize that you're willing to help, that you right. want to help people get the right one, right? So that right. because you want the breed to get a good reputation, you don't want them buying, buying something they shouldn't be buying. And, you know, and, that, and that's true. I mean, so many times people will go out and they'll, they'll buy something, whether a horse, a dog, something that they think is pretty. 
and not really understanding the temperament and not understanding whether that horse is good for what they want to do with it. You know, if, if, if they want to do, like I said, if they want to do cutting, I'm not going to point them in the direction of a saddlebred. I'm going to send them over to somebody who really knows about a good quarter horse who can do that. On the other hand, if they want to do some distance riding, some competitive trail and some endurance, then I tell them, you know what, come on over and let's ride a saddlebred. Because as um, a friend of mine who was riding her squirrely Arabian with me one day said, when my saddlebred was looking at her squirrely Arabian like it was crazy, <laughs> she said, you know what, I think saddlebreds are great for endurance for people who don't want to spin and bolt. They're just level-headed, they have a lot of stamina, they're a great ride, and um, definitely a breed that I hope more people consider, because they're, they're really worthwhile. And you already know, they'll save your life. Yeah, exactly. I can vouch for that. Uh, tur- yeah. They're safe for turkey attacks. <laughs> and they're uh, really right. easy to ride, or they're <laughs> yeah. fun to ride. They're, they're comfortable to ride. That I can attest to. I had a, um, um, a national show horse, which I didn't buy mm-hmm. on purpose, um, but he... You could tell the you could tell the saddlebred in him, and he was he had a very smooth. He was just a very very smooth ride. The Arabian in him made him <laughs> a fast ride. Very agile. Right, right. Well, you know, and it also it, right. it matters how they've been trained. You know, if you if you get a horse that has gone through the show circuit, they're going to have a very different temperament than one that hasn't. And um, you know, that's that's why also you want to make sure that if if you say, hey, I want to I want to try out a saddlebred that you make sure that you go to somebody that is going to point you in the direction of the right horse, you know, with, for the discipline that you want to do, whether it yeah. be trail riding or jumping or whatever. You want to you get the right, the right horse that likes to do the job that you want. Lisa Siderman, Deer Creek Ranch in Malibu, California. Thank you so much. But now it's time for our Tack and Habit segment, which is sponsored by Flirting with the World. That's my new website. You got to go take a look. It's actually a whole lot of fun. There's some seriously good eye candy there, style advice for women and men, all kinds of good stuff. Flirting advice if you're unattached. You know, we should do a special. We should do a Valentine's special that's sponsored by Flirting done, with the World. We haven't done one in a while. We need to do that. Well, let's do that next week because that'll be right before Valentine's Day. Yeah, we need to do that. We need to to put something together. Uh, remember, we used to do. We used to get the. Uh, we used to get the lady from. The heck was that website? Equine Singles Dating. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That lady. She used to come on every year. I don't even know if she's right. still around anymore. So let's do this. So so flirting with the world. We'll sponsor next week's show. And what we would like to do is, if you have a great love story to tell us, whether you're single or attached or whatever, we want to hear your love story. And if you send us an email, you can send it to Helena at horseradionetwork.com. Then, and you're available to tape with us, then send us an email and we might just feature your love story on the show. <gasps> How cool would that be? And we, if it's equine Glenn's related, like, oh my- if it's equine related, it's even better. You know, that, if that, it's equine yeah, related, yeah. it's even better. And if it's not equine related, that's okay. We'll pretend. Yeah. <laughs> we'll make it. But really, if yeah, if it's equine related, that would be perfect for our show. So, like, if you married like, your farrier or your veterinarian, or you met uh, on a trail ride, or you know, that kind of thing is what we're looking for, right? 
Yes. Uh, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or let's just say maybe you didn't. Maybe you've been married for 30 years and you've just convinced your husband or your wife to, you know, start trail riding or you have a wonderful horse husband or something. But yep. we want to hear the love story behind it. All right. That's good. Well, and you can you post that on all the Facebook pages, too, so we can... Uh, yes, yeah, I will we'll do that. and get more of those. That's terrific. Well, let's hope we can... Uh, I'll send an email out to our email list, too, and we'll see. Glenn's we like, can... what did she I just like get me idea. into? I like that idea. No, I like hearing about that stuff. After all, it is Valentine's Day. You posted, uh, and we talked about it this morning on the morning show on Horses in the Morning. You posted a uh, thing on... What, what's the name of the website again? Flirting with the world. Flirting with the world it is a. It was. Uh, I'm trying to find it here. Uh, was it the the post that you had on horses in the morning about seven the couples? things happy couples do every day? And Jamie yeah. gave us the test, Jennifer and I, because we've been married yeah. almost thirty years, to see if we do those seven things. And every one of them are the things that we do. Yeah. So, you know, it yeah. really did work. And a couple people uh, posted that they've been married 30 years, too, and they do all of those things. So I think it's just uh, it was a it was a good article. You can find it at Flirting with the World on Facebook and, and read it. Seven ha- things happy couples do every day. And it was so on target. It really was. It was so on target. And and one of the things that we put on on Flirting with the World was that we are very leery of these listicles, which are articles that are essentially lists of things. Right. They're very easy to read. So the format of listicles. I, I get, but I, I never think, heard them let's... called listicles. That's kind of Christmas like. <laughs> it's listicles. So, um, you know, but everybody's using that format now, and there's a whole bunch of junk out there. So, but so when I read this, I was so pleased to see that they're very just real simple, pure characteristics of a couple who actually get each other. And then Buck added one item. He made he turned the list from seven to eight. Okay, I'll have to check what... that out. If you want to know what he added, you have to go to the post on Flirting with the World. Oh, I just went there. Yep, I agree. Good (laughs) good ad, Buck, horny devil. (laughs) (laughs) Who's talking? All right, let's uh, get to our tack and have it segment. And this t- this week, we're going to be talking about a topical product. It's called Cora Gem, and we're going to get some help talking about it this week. And we're going to get some help from none other than Monty Roberts, who absolutely loves this product, have been using it for years. So let's hear what Monty has to say about Cora Gem. Welcome back, Dad. I'm glad to have Monty Roberts back here for our uh, this week's trainer's tip. And I know that you were telling me a little bit about equine skincare and some things. So I would love for you to elaborate for our listeners today your trainer's tip on uh, some of the skincare uh, product that you like. Debbie, I'm so excited to do this for you. And I'm not going to give you products, but I'm going to give you one product. It's called Corigem, C-O-R-I-G-E-M. Corrigem, and it's an incredible product that was discovered in the Amazon, and Mm -hmm. the killer bees have a lot to do with it because it's propolis. What they use to stop the funguses and the bacteria from eating their honey up. And Mm -hmm. the discovery of this is by a New Yorker that went down there with a team of people, and they actually went right into the jungle, and they were looking for something else. This, This came ancillary to their original project. But Corrigem does unbelievable things. And for that set of, let's say, dew poisoning or uh, cracked heels, whatever you want to call that fungus that eats up the, um, the yeah. 
mm-hmm. the pasterns of the horses. Um, it, they become chronic. And I had one mare that was chronic for four years. Everything that they put on failed, and they couldn't use this mare. She was shortlisted for the uh, our Olympic team in dressage. But Corjim, four days later, she was walking south. Whoa. Four yeah. days later. Corjim mm-hmm. is a miracle worker. And research shows that Corjim offers antiseptic, antibiotic, Ah, so it kills. It's in there. Okay. Antifungal mm-hmm. and even antiviral properties. Mm-hmm. And it needs to have all those properties if it's going to keep those animals off the honey of the killer bees. And killer bees can do some good things too. Corgium is one of those things. It's an unbelievable wash for the body that stops girth itch like you cannot have ever seen yeah that's a big one so yeah it's a big one in our industry but corgin puts an end to it and you can just dust it onto brushes uh, and then you're actually helping the body as you as you clean your horse i am sold on corgin and it's four years now that we've been uh you know putting it on our horses and experimenting with various things and it is an ace product. You cannot believe how good it is. Corgium mm-hmm. from the Brazilian Rainforest. You know, I just went and Googled this product so that I could see how you can find it. So I found it at CorigemAnimals.com. Uh, Corigem is C-O-R-I-G-E-M-A-N-I-M-A-L-S. CorigemAnimals.com. And they've got a promo code on there for you. It says, if you if you say Monty in the promo code, you get 10% off and free shipping. That's a good deal. I'm glad. Monty so, uh, with the so, Y. Monty with the Y. And <laughs> let me ask you about scratches, because down here in Southern California, we get scratches every March and April. Have you used it on scratches before? Yeah, that's, that's the skin fungus that hits down there at the pasture, and then they call it cracked heels, or they call it dew poison, rain uh, poison, and a lot of things. Yeah, we had it on cattle. Yeah, scratches, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. scratches the same thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, Debbie, it it's works. Chronic. And let your people okay. know that this is a good product, super okay. product, that will change the world of dealing with these funguses and other things that be set uh, our horses' skins. Okay, good. Good to know. Good tip of the week. Thank you. So there you go. Monty endorses it, and it is a product that uh, that really is made from bees, so the help of bees and killer bees in this case, uh, uh, to be exact. Uh, yeah, exactly. And it's a you know it is a topical, uh, and it can be used for many many different things. As Monty says, they've been using it out at his farm. Uh, in California for uh, for many years. And what's nice is, you know, ringworm or anything that you have a skin problem with, Coragem is there to help you. Uh, and, and it's good for your horses, your your cats, your dogs. It's just a great wound and infection remedy. And uh, you really need to check it out. A lot of science behind it. And thanks to the African killer bees in Brazil, uh, it, it, it they're there to help you because they, they are the ones that uh, really produce this kind of uh, product that really does work. Um, and they produce it, as, as Monty said, for their own protection. And... You know why, and and we happen to figure that out. So yeah. I think you know science and, and humans are amazing that they can figure out all of these things. 
One, they do have a coupon code where you can get 10% off for the listeners of the Horse Radio Network. It's HRN2015, all one word, HRN2015, and you'll get 10% off your next order if you order it at coragemanimals.com. Give it a try. I think you'll find it really, really does work. Well, Helena, that's about it for this week. Uh, we, If you want to find our app, you know how many people I helped that download the app to their phones this weekend at Ada? A ton. I helped a ton of people download, and I guarantee a lot of people are on their way home listening to our shows for the first time. <laughs> Woohoo! So that was good, and uh, we, we really appreciate that. I did numbers. And Stable Scoop, of course. Uh, I just finished up the numbers for 2014. I'll send those over to you, Lena. Um, Stable Scoop did very well again in 2014. Uh, we, as a network, have now gone from 40 countries to 90, thanks to the app. 92 wow. different countries. Countries I've never even heard of. <laughs> it's just... Uh, are listening to the show. They must speak English or they wouldn't be listening. So uh, welcome, all of the countries I've never heard of. And... Uh, <laughs> And the numbers just keep growing. We have uh, almost 140,000 listeners now around the world that listen to the different shows. The number of people listening, the percentage of people in the United States and outside the United States uh, is getting larger now, the number of people listening from around the world. Uh, I think we're at about 30% now that listen from different countries. So we appreciate all of you listening as well. Wow. So that's cool. If you don't have the app yet, just go to the iOS or Android uh, app store. Search for Horse Radio Network. It's free. It's simple. It's easy to download. You can either stream the show, download it to your phone, listen to it on the plane, whatever you want to do. And all eight of the shows on the Horse Radio Network are there. And you can find Helena at? You can find me at, uh, I'm all over the place, but you can always send me an email at Helena at HorseRadioNetwork.com. Helena at horseradionetwork.com. Tell us about your love story. We want to hear it. And, uh, you know, if you can't even, rec- if you're not able to record with us and want to send us an email, we'll read it on the show. Either we way, sure will. Yeah, yeah. So send them over to Helena at horseradionetwork.com. Thanks, Helena. That's it for this week. That is plenty, Glenn, but there will be more, including lots of love, next week. Until then, happy scooping. <laughs> <laughs>